Chief Miller is dedicated to featuring the men and women of the fire service from around the world. Chief Miller has a family of content creators who feature great people doing great things, making the fire service a better place. Make sure to follow along as Chief Miller creates, shares, collaborates, and features the special people who call themselves firefighters. Follow along on Instagram at Chief underscore Miller. Find him on Twitter at Chief underscore Miller underscore. Like him on Facebook at Chief underscore Miller number one. And watch for all the podcasts featured within the Chief Miller media family. Make sure to check out ChiefMillerApparel.com for all your fire service apparel needs. I know you guys have heard me brag about them before, but I want to tell you again about my friends at BSWUSA.com and all they did for me to get into this Roadcaster Pro with these great MXL BCD1 mics. And you know, when I started this project a year ago, I was working with a mic and an app on my phone to get the job done. I knew I wanted to upgrade, but cost was a factor. Well, don't worry about that factor anymore. Go check out my friends at BSWUSA.com. They've got some of the most affordable packages out there and they'll customize them for you too to get the right price point so you have some of the best equipment to put some of the pure sound out there so again go check out my friends at bswusa.com the K-Man Radio Show is proudly sponsored by some great firefighter-owned businesses, and we're going to talk about them here for a second, starting with my friends Peter and Nikki from AxeCaps.com. If you're in the market for some quality apparel, what about direct-to-garment printing? Are you looking to bring your own brand out to the world? Well, go check out AxeCaps.com today. Peter and Nikki will be sure to take care of you. Also, Ian Sargent from South Florida at SGT Firebags. That's SargentFirebags, SGTFirebags.com. If you're in the market for a wash radio strap or a clean gear bag to protect you from the carcinogens out there reduce that risk of cancer exposure guess what sgt firebags has you covered use Canban for 10 percent off and my brother herb tyler from nrc or national rescue consultants if you're looking to get usar educated from some of the best out there go check out my brother herb tyler at nrc.com that's national rescue consultants Get off your ass, canners, and get ready for some extreme tabletop exercises. It's time for the Can Man Radio Show. And now your fearless leader, the senior canner himself, Jason Liska. And yet again, we're back. And it's a beautiful day in Central Florida. Not like where our guest is today in South Florida, where it's cats and dogs and witches and monkeys all over. I'll tell you what, it scrubbed a space shuttle launch today. It would have been a historic day for NASA and for SpaceX. But you know what? That's why they're Saturday and they have alternate days for these plans. So welcome back to another great episode of the K-Man Radio Show. I'm so glad you're here. We are just so proud to be able to put together some great content for you guys and bring some awesome guests and put some reflection out there. And, well, the guests that uh, we brought in today, well, he is my brother and he is Herb Tyler and he is the man that runs NRC with a dedicated group of firefighters who want to teach you how to be the best out there, especially when it comes to the USAR stuff, which we're no stranger to in Florida. So, hey, 
Welcome to the show, my brother. Glad to have you. Hey, thanks for having us. Man, you know, I'll tell you what. Uh, since our first meeting, and really it surprised me because we met at Fire Rescue East this year. And I remember we started talking at your booth and it was just an introduction. It was informal. It was just pleasantries. And I remember I was sitting outside by Tom Bull Hill's table and you walked up and you shook my hand. And in your hand, you handed me a challenge coin that it meant the world to me. And you, you told me that you didn't realize, you know, who I was at first until I think the mustache was the dead giveaway. But you said thank you for the work you do and for everything. And, and, you know, that meant a lot to me that day. And I'll never forget that. And that started a beautiful friendship between us. And thanks for that. Really, truly. No, it's uh, I followed you on Instagram for a while. Saw the mustache. You came to the booth. I didn't put two and two together until a little later on. I was like, damn. All right. That's a can, man. I know. I, I absolutely know who that was. I, we started talking yeah and it was just we we had a connection for the for the job itself and understood the importance of the job it's a deep and importance yep i believe in everything that that you're saying like i said I've, I've followed you for quite some time so it felt like the right time to just come and tell you that I appreciated everything you were doing for the fire service itself. I am truly humbled by those words. And, you know, it's, it's an honest reflection from me when I tell you that when I started this journey back in 2017, it was coming out of a period of my life where there was a lot of transition, a lot of doubt and a lot of uh, uncertainty that occurred just in the, in the short years before that, where, I hated everything about me and the fire service and what I was so mad about. I was angry at the world and I was really making my life more difficult and making mistakes that I really shouldn't make because, you know, if we were smart about our job and we loved our job, mistakes are one thing, but repetitive mistakes and and, and disdain are totally different. And so, you know, it was my mentors and my friends that brought me out of that slump and the accountability that they put on me, the onus they made me accept for the fact that it's up to me to make the difference. And so when I came out of that and went through fire officer one and two and got promoted and then became uh, a student in college, and I was sitting there one day and realized I want to do something to give back for those that gave to me and mentorship and leadership matter. And I'm not the best at it. I'm not a prophet, but it's a passion I have and something I love. And it's my friends like you, and my many other brothers and sisters out there that give me the support and the ability to put my voice out there that help build my confidence and give me that opportunity to really do the messaging. And it's an everyday learning experience. Uh, I mean, as it should be. I mean, you and I have had numerous conversations for hours just on leadership itself. And I truly feel that it's lacking yeah, lacking in a lot of ways. And I know you've got some bad weather down there and it's okay because I know you probably hear me right now. This unfortunately is the side effect sometimes of a podcast, but it's, go ahead, I'm listening. You're back with me, my brother. Can you hear me? Oh, I did. I got you. It's okay. I know the bad weather down there is giving you a fit, but yeah, you, yeah. you were talking about lacking and that's where you you glitched out on me for a split second. Yeah, no, I mean, we're, we're lacking that in the fire service and we're lacking that in society of leadership 
and leadership is so important and everyone is quick to just point the finger to someone else. So no one wants to take, no, no one wants to take accountability for their actions. Everyone's quick to just point it off to the next guy. You know, even when my crew makes a mistake, right? And it happens because we're human. I don't want anybody to look at my crew and blame them. I want them to know that as their officer, it's on me in the end. Okay. And I maybe didn't give the right direction. Maybe I failed to give them the right training. Maybe we had an off day. Who knows? And, and I'll share an example here in a minute. But the bottom line is at the end of the day, the, the accountability is taught and it's shown at the same time by your actions. And I tell my guys, I tell my crew that the, the bottom line is nobody gets to you but through me. They have to come to me in order to get anything done. If they want to have a problem you know, with that, then that's up to them to deal with it on their own terms. But they can come to me first. Anybody above me in the same rank as me, my crew is shielded by me and I will be accountable for them and I will make sure that their day runs as smooth as necessary and, and I'll buffer whatever has to be done and we'll deal with it as a crew at the end, you know? No, I mean, I mean, absolutely. It comes to a point where your job as a company officer is to take care of your crew. That's what you signed up for. Bottom line. And, 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 and bottom line, just like you said, if I'm not trying to empower my guys to be better than I am. So if I retire tomorrow as a rank of a lieutenant, I want all the guys that are underneath me, I want them to be better than me. Mm -hmm. I want them to be captains. I want them to be battalion chiefs. I want them to be division chiefs. Don't stop where I'm at. Mm -hmm. I want you to be better than I am, and I'm going to give you every piece of information I have and give you every opportunity that I can to make you better than I am. And I feel that that's what a good company officer should do. And that's the mentoring and the succession planning and the purpose of being part of the fire service. And we talked about this before we started the podcast. We're going to get into our, our topic in a second. We talked about the fact that the, the moment you enter fire school, the moment you make the decision you want to be a firefighter, I think people forget that there's an aspect of leadership that goes with that decision-making process. You know, you you may not wear a bugle, and you may not wear any bugle ever in your career, but the blue shirt role is more important in some cases than any white shirt out there because the senior man to the junior man, it's, it's a hand-down type of process. I'm going to hand down my knowledge and my experience and give you the opportunity to utilize whatever works for you and become better than me. And if you want to stay a Jake on the truck or you want to hit the right seat, guess what? That's opportunity. And I feel like we, we lost our perspective in a lot of ways. And, and a lot of that came during our period of recession. I refer to that all the time. I feel when the great, I, I guess you would call exodus of the fire service and in Florida will be my example because I had a lot of friends that left to go work construction that went to go work elsewhere, not in the fire service because it was a, it was a dead end at that time in our economy and we lost the middle ground. We lost the five and 10 year and 15 year crews, the members that had that integrity, that had that knowledge. And it left us with the 20 to 25 and 30 down to the one to five. And, and there was a huge gap there that the void couldn't be filled by just one or two people. It required a lot of time. And I think in a lot of ways, we, we've started to make trends and we've started to change and we've gotten better. But 
that was a huge part of our fire service. And we lost a lot of mentoring in that. No, I mean, I'm, the, and, and you and I have had this conversation a couple of times. The reality is that we no longer are getting the guys who are roofers or do a secondary job. We're getting younger people in the fire service. Mm-hmm. And with that being said, I hear it all the time. I hear the, the older, the older guys go, these guys are untrainable. Yeah. Negative. Yeah. yeah. They're not untrainable. You're not doing your job by properly training them. You can't yell and belittle people the way you used to. That, that that's that's obsolete. You can't do that anymore. People don't respond they, to they, that. They don't respond to that those actions. So you need to reevaluate yourself and see how can I teach the younger generation how to lead and how to properly accept criticism and accept that maybe I didn't do what my company officer thought I needed to. Mm -hmm. So there's plenty of, of avenues that we can go down, but it changes at the company officer's standpoint because we can't yell and scream. That doesn't get our point across. No, they don't understand that. And to be quite honest with you, that's not really effective. So all it takes for us is maybe take a step back, look at the overall picture, reevaluate your plan, and figure out how we can engage this younger generation. Absolutely. And that falls in line with the discussion of what do we have in common, okay? While most will say in my age and, and a little older, maybe even a little younger, what do we have in common with a 20-year-old, a 22-year-old? Well, there's not much, right? Well, no, that's not true. More of these kids have a desire to learn than we could ever realize. What happens, though, and you addressed it very clearly, we're not willing to change our way. We're not willing to learn how to adapt to their needs, and their needs are different from yours and mine. And that being said, when we came up in the fire service, we were the generation that got yelled at and scolded and you know held out and, and basically you know, had to pay our dues unless we wanted to not be a part of the fire service. And we had to prove that we had the right to sit at the table and drink coffee with the brothers and eat dinner with them in some cases, because you had to pull your weight. That was just part of the generation that taught you and I and many other firefighters out there. There was there was plenty of moments where I was chastised and at the same time, it was just what made me understand the importance of the job. So you look at these kids and you think about what they're capable of. Well, okay, they're great with various things, but one thing, multitasking. Two, they're great at utilizing technology. So how do you identify with them in that aspect? Well, I had a probie, all right? My most recent probie. Uh, he was probably the anomaly, the unicorn. He brought a composition book with him every morning. And we started off our very first shift with expectations. And I keep them simple, right? The expectations are I want you to show up to work with a good attitude. No matter what happens after that, we can, we can work with it. But if you come to work with a bad attitude, then we're going to have a problem. You're not engaged. You're not willing to learn. There's a problem we got to resolve, right? So 
He would show up every morning from then on. We did a NIOSH report every day, presentation. He dissected the equipment on the truck, presentation. He utilized his phone. He utilized his computer. He utilized the technology. And you know what it made him? A better communicator. Made him more confident. He was able to address crowds. He was able to interact with people. And you know what? That instilled a sense of pride in him because he felt like he was being received. And he worked harder to impress us as a crew than anyone I've ever worked with before because the kid felt important. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, giving these newer firefighters the ability to engage in activities, not just go clean the toilets, Mm -hmm. go check out the truck. I'm not saying that that's not important. That, that, that's a part of rite of passage. Absolutely. I, I totally get that. But there's more to this job than that. Mm-hmm. And you have to be able to give these younger generation the opportunity to excel in the fire service. And what we do as company officers who are over that threshold of, let's call it 30, Mm -hmm. we we do a disservice because we go from one spectrum to the other. Mm -hmm. So the pendulum is swinging. It either goes one way or the other, and it either goes, we go too far, and we're trying to be best friends with them, or we go too far the other way, and now we're trying to be so strict the way we came up. And they don't understand that. They, they, don't, they don't respond well to that. And then that brings up another valid point. If you can't find the middle ground, how can you be a problem solver as a company officer? Correct. That's probably one of the most basic concepts of our job is to solve problems. That's what we do. We solve problems as a team. Okay, that's our job. We're engaged with a team of people that are like-minded all bring strengths and weaknesses to the table. We're taught and it's ingrained from the early days of the academy. You work together to solve problems. But what happens when you become that company officer and you can't solve the simple problems inside of your house? What does that do? How does that reflect on you as a leader? And not just that, but your house in general, because you got to keep your house in order. I mean, it's a... We could sit here and what if it to death. I mean, as a company officer, if you can't handle the small issues within your house, how are you going to respond on the big call? Okay. Yeah. How are your How are your guys going to respect you at the big call if you can't handle small stuff within the house? Yeah. How do so, you, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I apologize. No, no, it, you were hitting it and I was going to follow up, but I want you to finish that thought because I know where we're heading. I know exactly where we're heading. So I can't take credit for this. It actually came from my department mm-hmm. and one of the guys were complaining about a captain and he goes, this guy's horrible. He can't even, can't make a decision for his life. Mm-hmm. He goes, when it comes down to buying ice cream, he has Neapolitan because he can't make a choice on ice cream. Oh, gosh. Okay. And yeah. 
I sat there and I kind of chuckled. I'm like, man, there's actually truly people in the fire service that are in charge that can't make a decision to save their life. Yeah. So what does that do for their crew? And that puts their crew in a very bad spot. Yeah. And let's talk about those simple things. All right. You have a crew, you have two to three on your truck, depending on what your you know staffing level is. You're the company officer. You might have a rescue in the house. And one of your crew members is having issues with getting to work on time and has been repetitively late, right? It's upsetting the people around him. It's pissing off the guy that's got to hold over 20, 30 minutes at a time. What do you do as the company officer? He's your friend, by the way. You came up in probie school together and you eat out every week with family. You guys go to dinner and you barbecue at the house. And now you've got to discipline this guy in front of the rest of the crew in order to maintain integrity in a sense or handle it. But what if you can't because you're scared to handle it? What do you do? Well, I mean, so there's a saying that, uh, and, and you met him, uh, Rogers, Greg mm-hmm. Rogers, uh, mm-hmm. one of my best friends in the world. Well, with that being said, he's actually my superior in the department. Mm-hmm. He told me way early in my career, he goes, we're absolutely friends. He goes, with that being said, if we're friends, don't ever make me be your officer. Mm -hmm. And when he said it, I sat back, I kind of reflected for a second. I'm like, man, if I'm really friends with this guy, I'm not going to put him in that bad of a situation. Mm -hmm. Nor, nor, Am I going to take advantage of the situation? So with that being said, I mean, that, that's just one example. But what it but leads also- to, what it leads to is setting the expectation early on. Absolutely. And, and you also have to take a step back. And I've seen it when we travel all over, mm-hmm. you, you get the, you get the different type of, uh, officers some are quick to put paper on you some just want to talk to you some just want to be your best friend but there comes a time where you have to put that line in the sand absolutely and for me i'm not the type of officer who likes who likes to put paper on anybody if if it goes down to that then it really got bad it has to be a bad day in general and absolutely that's because, because for me, I feel there. I, I feel there comes a point where, if you have a stellar employee, mm-hmm. and who maybe had a few hiccups for the last couple of weeks, sure. Why do I need to go automatically jump to putting you on paper? How about I do my job as a company officer and find out if there's something underlying that may be causing these issues. Yeah. Because as a company officer, I understand we're there to lead, we're there to do all that. But at the end of the day, we spend a lot of time with our guys. Mm -hmm. We need to protect our guys. We need to take care of our guys. That's our job when we are company officers. So with that being said, sit down with that individual, find out, is there something going on? Is there something 
in your home life? Is it, it could be a hundred thousand different things, mm-hmm. but, but if we don't take the time to actually invest in our people and find out, is there something more that we might be able to fix instead of just jumping straight to let's put you on paper, mm-hmm. then we're doing a disservice to our whole crew. Well, that is probably the clearest definition in, in, in basics of the company officer. We are, and I like to think that the company officer, whether it's a captain or a lieutenant on the truck, is the most important person in the fire service. We outnumber, other than the firefighters, we outnumber the rest of the administration when you think about it. We're the tone setters. We're, we're the ones that can influence the good or the bad, depending on that. And a good company officer, for all intents and purposes, has to be engaged with their crew. And we talked about this very briefly. You mentioned something along these lines where a company officer has to look at the situation and has to evaluate it because there's one of two things that are going to happen. Either the problem is going to correct or it's not, right? And your influence could make that difference. But here's the other problem. We have a lot of company officers out there, good people good tactical firefighters that take the role and some bad, but they fail to rise to the occasion as a company officer. And there's a reason for that. There's many different reasons for that. And my initial thought is who taught them what was shared or imparted on them in order to give them the skill set to be a company officer when they assume that role, right? Agreed. So go ahead, please. Where do we go from there? Where do we go? How do we fail to rise? What are we missing as company officers? There, there was a battalion chief when, when I first started the fire service 17 years ago, Mm -hmm. he told me, I can tell you exactly where we were at. I I, I can tell you everything because it is stuck with me to this day. Mm -hmm. He said, son, not everybody is met to be an officer in this fire department. He goes, we need good firemen. We need good drivers. We need good officers. He goes, not everyone's meant to be an officer. He goes, not everyone can lead. Mm -hmm. It's simple. I said, yes, sir. He turned around, walked away, and that was it. But that one statement has stuck with me for 17 years. So it obviously defines you as a company officer and defines your role on a day-to-day basis, does it not? I, I, I would uh, like to say so. Um, to sit to sit back and for any company officer to say they're the best company officer and there's no room for improvement, then negative. That, that's not that's not true at all. I'm learning every day. Yeah. How to be a better company officer, and I'm learning from my guys as well. Yeah, because they bring something different to the table and I'm giving them information, but at the same time, I'm receiving information from them. And I feel like guys sometimes forget where they come from. Mm -hmm. And guys also think the moment you get bugles, now you're the end all be all. That's not the case. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) So, so the fact that you got a bugle or two bugles, three bugles, well, how, however your department works, mm-hmm. 
you're good at taking a test. That's what that that's what that tells me. It doesn't prove anything. Yeah. Now, once you get into your house and you're with your guys, that's where your true definition of being a company officer starts. And where the testing really begins. Correct. The fact that you can take a hundred question written test and you can go do a practical, that's fine and good Mm because you're just doing memorization. It's what your peers say about you. That's the test. That's amen to that. And that goes along with if you're not willing to learn how to be a company officer beyond the title, you're going to fail to address the house's needs and the house is going to crumble eventually. And wherever you go, you're going to carry that, that toxicity with you and that negativity because your reputation will follow you from one house to the next. And if you're good enough to get promoted to a chief level officer, a district battalion division, whatever, here you are now at that level. And yet you fail to meet the essential requirements to simply be a decent leader at the lowest level of human resource management, which is that of the company officer. And, you know, whether it's conflict avoidance, whether it's just a desire to disengage because, you know, you don't want to be bothered by the petty problems in your house, there has to be a reckoning. There has to be an understanding. There has to be some level of onus. Yet again, I use that word as I was, you know, taught so well to be accountable for my actions, you you have to be accountable, you have to hold them accountable, and you have to set the tone and you have to make sure they follow that 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 execution of your expectations. And if they can't, we work together to figure out how. And you do empower your crew. You empower them because they need to be empowered. You can't be an autocratic leader every day. Doesn't doesn't work that way. You have to be a leader that is open-minded and you cannot be afraid to learn new things and learn how to open a dialogue and talk to people and understand problems because that, again, falls under the simple things. That's the simple things, learning how to communicate. As a paramedic, you can communicate with patients, can't you? Absolutely. So what's it, what's the difference? You're you're communicating with people. You go out into the public and you talk to strangers, and you're able to fix their problems relatively easily because you're trained to do it. Why can't we expect our company officers to do the same thing with their own pedigree, their own learning process? Give them the tools to succeed so they can be good company officers. Well, I mean, I I think what happens is, and I touched on it briefly in the beginning. Guys get a bugle. Guys or girls, uh-huh. they, get a, they get a bugle. They automatically go into that micromanaging role. And I tell my crew all the time, I will never micromanage you. Nope. I don't believe in it. It's ineffective. Uh-huh. If I tell you to do A, I don't need to go back and check on you. When I come and ask you, Is it completed? Yes. I have faith in my guys that it's done. I don't need to micromanage you. I don't need to tell you how to do it. I don't need to tell you when to do it. I gave you a direction. Just do it. Amen. Because because as a company officer, I should have done my job to train you properly Mm -hmm. 
that when I ask you to do A, A is completed correctly, efficiently, and in a timely manner. And if deficiencies you, pop up, they need to come to you and tell you so you can help fix it, right? Correct. Now we go back to that mentor. Yep. If there's an issue, guess what? I'm going to help you achieve the goal. Yeah. yeah. But the problem is that people lose sight of how important that company officer role truly is. I don't care if you ride on an ambulance, a fire truck, a ladder truck, a tiller truck, it does not matter. If you're in charge of that truck, that tells me that there is someone or more people that rely on you Mm -hmm. for guidance. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. When when the issue arises, that's not the time to go, uh, what do you, what do you mean? Well, what do you think? No, they're looking for you for guidance. So it all goes back to, and I hate to say the cheesy cliche saying, but you need to lead by example. Yeah. So there's a million different podcasts out there. You can listen to all types of company officer podcasts. You could listen to the backseat podcast for backseat firefighting. There, there, there's a ton of different podcasts out there. Mm-hmm. And the reality is that all this stuff can be incorporated into one thing. If we learn to take accountability for our actions We try to get better every day at our job. It's only going to benefit the whole house as a whole, from the company officer to the driver engineer to the to the hydroman to to the backstep firefighter. However, in whatever terminology that you use in your department, Mm -hmm. it translates into every single one of those spots. Yeah, and let's not forget the fact that you cannot be afraid to make mistakes, especially at the company officer level, the indecision is the deadliest of all the decision-making processes. I say this in tactics. I teach this in company officer. I, I, I try to impress upon these students the importance of it's okay to make the wrong decision sometimes. You learn how to pull an audible. You learn at that point, hey, this isn't working. Back up. Try something different. The problem lies when you fail to make the decision because that's when lives are lost. That's when people are injured. That's when structures are lost. That's when things happen because you fail to act. And that is probably one of the the most difficult concepts to impart upon people or give to them because everybody's afraid that if they make one mistake— that's it. They're done. Their career's over. Let me tell you something. I was one foot out the door. My chief told me he was going to fire me. I had made enough mistakes where my career was over. Yet here I am. And I, I was able to learn and I was able to adapt and change. And these are just components of what I like to share with these kids, especially the young ones who are so wide eyed and they're like, oh, my God, I'm here. If I if I screw up, you know, if they if they tell me in standards that if you make a mistake in your probie year, you're fired. Well, a good leader knows how to address that. A good leader knows how to look at that kid and say, hey, man, you're going to fuck up, okay? And I know you're going to fuck up, but guess what? It's okay because as long as you learn from that and you take the opportunity to learn from us, 
we're going to make sure that you succeed in the end. Absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, when, when you get that new probie in there into that firehouse, you need to be able to sit them down, tell them your expectations, Mm -hmm. but instead of just telling them your expectations, take a, take a step back and ask them what their expectations are. Absolutely. When's the last time that you truly saw that happen? It doesn't. And the reason why, because we all have been ingrained in this mentality of this is what I expect of you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, prime example, I had a new guy on the truck. We're on the roof, fire alarm, burnt up AC motor. I'm like, Hey, go get me a Phillips out of the toolbox. Now, Now, mind you, I'm, I'm in South Florida. Yeah. So it's about 98 degrees on the summer. I'm like, where is this guy? About five minutes later, he comes walking back up on the roof. ALT. Was that the plus or the minus sign? (sighs) Yeah. So. Yeah. Initially, I wanted to yell at him. But realistically, it took me a second. I said, okay, whose fault is it really? It's my fault. Yeah. That's my fault. Why is it my fault? Because I didn't take the time to make sure that he knew everything. He didn't know what I expected from him. And once we dug a little deeper, when we got back to the firehouse, he never touched a hand tool a day in his life. So I can't get mad at somebody like that. No. I, I, I wanted to. I, I really did. But if I would have gotten mad at him and then just went in my office and forgot about it, did I actually do anything for him? No. Mm-mm. So you know what? We took out the toolbox. We sat down in the bay. We went over every single tool that was in that toolbox. And still to this day, he thanks me for it. And we can't think that everybody now was the way we were when we got hired. Because when we got hired, guys were roofers, contractors. Mm-hmm. Uh, they laid tile. They did granite. They did all, everything. Yeah. Well, guess what we have now? We have guys who are computer programmers, mm-hmm. uh, professional video gamers, like mm-hmm. run social media sites. Like times have changed. Oh, yeah. And with that being said us as company officers, we need to adapt to that as well. But the only way we're going to accomplish that is if we're willing to break down the barrier of whatever it is. I'm, I can't tell what every individual is thinking in the role of company officer, but the one thing I can impress upon them is the importance of picking up a book and reading, okay? Going to a seminar, taking your crew out, and train with them and find out what they're good at, what they're bad at, and then work with them and utilize simple concepts that we were taught in a sense when we were coming up in the service, but didn't realize it. I mean, you just got to figure out as the leader, 
how can I make it better? And that means you have to, like you said, adapt and overcome. It's no different than changing tactics on a fire ground and a medical call, a, a vehicle accident with an extrication. Hey, you're not getting the door. So what do you got to do different? Try a different approach, a different angle, try something different. But if you don't know that different, well, then that means you got to own up to that and figure it out and learn how to be that different type of person, that different kind of leader. Couldn't agree more with you on that. Um, so, so what are some of the tactics that you have done in your own firehouse with some of the young, younger generation? Well, a lot of it comes down to first, I've had the 20 something group except for a probie. And I said my most recent probie was my probie before the most recent. I had two on top of each other, basically one right after the other. I had a 10 year guy uh, for my last probie and, and he actually was tactically sound, did very well. There were some fine tuning issues, obviously, departmentally, you know, you're learning different approaches, different lingo, different, you know, vernacular. So we worked on his weaknesses to help build him up. And then, of course, we reinforced his tactical abilities just to give him a little bit of confidence so that he knew he was doing the right thing. And we made sure that he could perform every task that was required with the younger generation. The approach I take with them is giving them the history of the fire service. And, and I know that sounds kind of cheesy, but it's probably the most important gift you can impart upon a new firefighter. They don't necessarily know what the service means, what it stands for, why it exists. They took the job in some cases because, hey, they just got out of college. They were bored. It's cool. Why not? Right. So we've got to give them the the basis, the foundation, as I call it, you know, the foundational leadership aspect of it. we got to show them the roots of the fire service and impress upon them why we're here today and what it took to get us here and then share with them why we lose our brothers and sisters every year and then the importance of learning from their sacrifice because you know this year is scary we're in the mid-30s almost 40 if i'm not mistaken last year we ended under 60 but we didn't have covid and you know we on average 100 a year is what they say statistically Every story, every loss has a lesson learned. And if you can't get that into them early, they're not going to understand what they're doing on the fire ground other than, oh, I got to go in the house. It has smoke and fire. I'll take the hose. But they don't understand what it takes to do the job and what was done or sacrificed before they do that. And then aside from that, I want them to feel comfortable and I want them to know that their responsibility is equal to mine, if not greater. If they see something I don't see, just because they're new doesn't mean that they're incapable of identifying a problem on a fire ground or on a vehicle accident or in a medical call. Sometimes I get tunnel visioned and I don't see it and it happens. But guess what? I want them to know they can come to me and they can say, hey, Lou, we got a problem over here. Oh, shit, we do. OK, let's fix that problem. Why not? Don't be afraid to give them the voice. So I want them to know that. And then the rest of it just falls into line because most of the time they'll exceed the expectations and then they'll go above and beyond. And then they'll sit with you and they'll say, well, I want to be an officer one day. Well, let's write out a plan. Let's show you how to get to that point. And I'll give them a one to five year outline. And I'll say, look, your first year is proby. Don't worry about anything else. First class you need to take is driver operator. For my department, that's important because, well, everybody drives except for the loo most days unless I choose to because, you know, two man trucks, right? You're either riding right seat or left seat if you're at a non-lieutenant station. So I want them to get that done. Now we're teaching that in-house, which is great. And then I want them to start paramedic school if they're not already a paramedic. The importance of that. 
and then I want them to start taking their FO1 and FO2 classes, and then I want them to follow the tech route if that's their choice, whatever they choose, but give them the path. Because again, it's not that they don't want to, they just don't know how to get there. They don't know how to solve that problem. So let me solve that problem and find a solution for you. But uh, I feel that that is some of the things that company officers as a whole don't do very well. They get promoted and they kind of forget the importance of taking the firefighters that are underneath you mm -hmm. and elevating them higher than you. Yeah. So they're not taking your job. Your job, you got you got your spot. You're good. I want them to ride the right seat. I'll put them up in the right seat on occasion too. And that brings up a great point, as you should. For them to get promoted, that's not the day for them to ride in that seat. Oh, no. No, no, no. Right then. So as a good company officer, guess what? Guess what? You're riding today. You're officer. You're, you're running everything. Mm -hmm. You let me know what you need. Mm-hmm. Because now that gives them a sense of ownership and it lets them think outside the box. Yeah. That's what we need to do because the younger generation needs that. They, they need to be able to see that there's more opportunities. It's not some crusty uh, LT like you and me. Oh, great it's, mustache though. Come on, just own right, it. Great mustache. Right, I, I, I will give you that. Crusty or not but they need to see that there's an opportunity Yeah. that they're not just driving. They're not just riding backwards. Hey, this is what it's like running the calls. Yeah. So, so now when the officer has a little bad day or something, he might get a little better understanding of it. Sure. So there, there's so many different options that we can do to empower our firefighters and a lot of times we drop the ball mm -hmm. and listen, I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you. And I mean, you, you and I've had this conversation on a personal level numerous times. I'll be quite frank with you. I've fucked up numerous times oh. as a company officer. Jeez. Uh, but what I can tell you is if you have a good firehouse with you, your guys are good. They're going to take care of you as long as you take care of your guys. Yeah. And when I say take care of your guys, I'm not saying you need to let them slide on everything. No, I'm not saying that. They need to know at the end of the day, Lou has my back. Absolutely. And it, it's like what you hit on earlier today. You're that buffer. So I need to make sure that my guys know I have their back because if I'm having an off day, they're going to have my back. But if I'm a shitty officer, I promise you they're not going to have my back. No. And they need to, you need, you owe it to them. They truly don't really owe it to you. You owe it to your crew to be better every day, elevate yourself every day, 
and lead by example, as cliche as it sounds. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm very fortunate and I, I say it all the time. I've been at the tech station my whole career. When I got promoted, they moved me to the tech station. I got a bunch of gung-ho guys. They'll be out there in the bed, 12 o'clock at night, training, running calls all night long. They, they don't care. But what that does for me as a company officer is it just makes me that much more hungry to go out, learn more, bring back information while they're giving me information. I'm bringing them more information. I'm yeah. empowering them to get better. I want to see them get promoted. I want to go to to their ceremony when they get pinned to lieutenant, captain, battalion chief, whatever it is. That's what I want to do as a company officer. I want to make sure I see my guys go through the ranks. And you know what? I think that, uh, and we're going to close on that strong point right there. I think the next episode, and I want you to come back. In fact, why don't we do an episode maybe next week talking about praising your team and how important it is because we've talked about accountability in a sense. We talked about the most important thing is solving problems as an officer and being there as their advocate. But I think I think we really need to talk about how to praise our people and why it's important to praise them. What do you think about that? I couldn't agree more. I mean, the, the moment that everything is negative, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're never going to be able to take that positivity that you're giving them and look at it as anything is maybe more than condescending. Yeah, yeah. It can't always be doom and gloom. No, can't. You got to find time to praise. You have to find time to praise. And when you praise, it needs to be done in public. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. So we'll, we'll, we'll take this up next one. I promise you. I promise you. Hey, I appreciate you having me, bud. Hey, listen, Herb Tyler, NRC. My favorite group. I tell you, you guys, the best logo in the business. I tell you that this is probably one of the most solid group of professionals I've ever dealt with. And their dedication to the fire service, the community of the USAR community in general, and what they do for people is second to none. And and what you do for your team as well. And you're a damn good leader, sir. And I'm proud to call you my friend. And I'm proud to have you on the show today. I appreciate it very much, man, and uh, keep up the strong work. Thank you, brother. So that being said, we're going to wrap up this episode, and I want to thank you guys again for taking the time to listen and invest because it is an investment. I may not be the expert, but I certainly want to give you guys resources, access, and some of the, the best perspective I can, and hopefully you learn something and you do something with it and be better than me and be better than Herb and be better than any of your company officers, and it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. If you guys ever need it, you know where to find it. You take care of each other. You guys keep your head on a swivel and we'll definitely catch you on the next one. You just survived 30 minutes of online training with the Can Man radio show. Did you remember to train your probie today? The Can Man knows he knows everything. When that 2 a.m. lift assist drops, the Can Man will be thinking of you in his dreams. 
Thanks for listening to the show, guys. And if you want to look for more content out there from some great firefighters on some awesome podcasts, go check out some of my friends, starting with my good friend Steve Green from the Five Alarm Task Force and my good buddy Rob Pollock from Flow Invent, the Down to Fight Fire podcast out of British Columbia, Canada, A. SA Matters with Dr. Richard Gassaway, my good friend Ryan Pennington from West Virginia with Jump Seat Radio and that Jump Seat Radio Nation. Pin the Q, Code 3, Do Work, The Thin Red Line with my brother Captain John Haywick out of Passaic as well, The Fire Rescue Show, The Average Jake Firefighter, and of course, John Spira and the Fit to Fight Fire podcast. Go check these brothers out as they put great content out there and they're going to appreciate your support. See you on the next one.